You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 102nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 448th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 29th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred before the Duke game even started, when we saw social media clips of Devontae Green and Zach McRoberts going through Indiana's shoot-around, suggesting they would be ready to play in Tuesday night's game. And they did. Devontae played 20 minutes while Zach played 16. We also saw Deron Davis look confident, assertive, and relatively nimble. He was one of the lone bright spots for Indiana, scoring 10 points and grabbing four boards. So it appears that finally, mercifully, Indiana is starting to get healthier, knock on wood. And if everyone currently in the lineup can stay in the lineup moving forward, then Indiana can finally get back to having regular rotations and start building some much-needed on-court chemistry. Granted, Jerome Hunter may not play all season, and we have no timetable for Race Thompson's return from a concussion, so two guys projected to be in Indiana's regular rotation aren't currently having an impact. But even without those two, and despite the Hoosiers' poorest play over the last four games, the current roster of available players is still good enough to make the NCAA tournament and to be a factor in a loaded Big Ten. They just need some more time together to gel, clearly. And while you can call it making excuses if you wish, the fact of the matter is that all the early season injuries have absolutely had an impact on this team's inconsistency. How could they not? But all that matters now is what the team does moving forward with more of its parts and pieces back in place, and we'll start to find out on Saturday. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the legendary Girls U sports coach in Cincinnati, known for inspiring his players by saying yo a lot in practice and awkwardly tossing his jacket during the second halves of blowouts. He's the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists. It's not Joe Lenardi. It's not Jerry Palm. It is Andy Bottoms from over at Assembly Call. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the last week in IU basketball? Well, I've definitely spent the last 48 hours trying to uh, choreograph any kind of jacket throwing uh, in my daughter's upcoming game this weekend. So I uh, definitely look forward to breaking that out on Sunday. Uh, it, you know, it's it, it's, it's kind of good timing for the for the radio show. I think we've had a couple of days to, you know, digest the way the game went against Duke. Uh, think a little bit more about what it means. And, you know, it's one of the great things about doing the postgame show immediately after. It's also one of the challenging things about it to really uh, you, you know, kind of process everything quickly. So uh, I think it'll be, well, we certainly won't rehash everything tonight. I think it'll be good to, to you know, look back at a few elements of it. And yeah, I guess I kind of come down maybe still disappointed in the way that the team 
played and got rattled so early. Uh, on the flip side, you know, you kind of look at that environment, what it does to just about everybody, and and you look at how young IU is um, at, at some pretty key spots and how much they're relying on guys who are either in their first year of college basketball period or their first year with the program. Um, and so it, it maybe is a little more explainable, not necessarily less frustrating. Um, so it all, all that really matters is, is how they respond in these next few games coming up. I know I you know, said before, things don't get any easier. Obviously things get easier than playing it, arguably the, the number one team in the country at their place. But, um, you know, just in terms of being able to get a breather, uh, this team doesn't really have the luxury of having one. They're, they're thrown right back into the fire, which might really be uh, a good thing. And so I think we'll, you know, as we talk about these next four games, I think we'll learn as much, if not more, about where this team might eventually finish in that four-game stretch than we probably did on Tuesday night. And to my right, he is a columnist for The Big Lead and a co-host for The Hangover, and he is the man who came up with the most apt metaphor in history for a team getting its doors blown off at Cameron. Sometimes you are just walking into a bear's mouth. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? I'm really shocked that has caught on as as fi- has been as hot as it has been on social media. That one's uh, going to linger with the show for a while, I think. I'm good with it. Yeah, I, I, I'm too. It's a good uh, one. Could have gone with crocodile. Could have gone with alligator, but decided to go with bear. It's it's wintry. Um, I, I as think- if that was the only problem with it. That <laughs> literally walking into an animal's mouth was was the premise. But it was really. But I like that you got hung up on which specific. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Why? What, 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 what else would you be considering? Uh, no, I think that uh, I think in hindsight, this Duke game. One thing that I think that we don't really understand. A lot of people are like, "Well, we Indiana has freshmen and Duke has freshmen," but it's not the same because those Duke freshmen are all in the top five in their class. Those guys have played internationally. They've been playing against the top conferences. They've been playing against NBA guys in the summer. They've been playing. You know, I mean, they those guys are on a higher level than you know the top 100 guys that indiana gets because they've played tougher competition for a long time they've played in bigger games i mean we're playing when you're playing with team usa basketball you're playing in bigger games around the world in harder circumstances a lot of i use young guys that was their first exposure to a big at road atmosphere that you're not comfortable with and and they played like it and uh, I, I think that there's expectations moving forward that things will get better, but it's just hard to match up with a group of against a group of guys who have been in those situations consistently for a long time. They even just went out to Maui, which I would con- consider a big time atmosphere against some top against two top ten teams. Duke has been tested, and those guys have been tested despite being freshmen. And I think a lot of IU's freshmen have not really been tested yet on the same level. So I think that's something worth considering a few days out from that Duke game. Uh, obviously, the focus now is Big Ten. You got to win these next two games. Uh, I think that you're looking at Louisville and you're looking at Butler down the road, and you're saying, okay, we want to pick up one of these non conference wins. But right now, let's focus on getting to 2 0 in the Big Ten. That is the big test right now for indiana is to 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 weather to bounce back from that beating and and weather two big 10 games in a few days get off to that 2-0 start that you really want to have in conference before you sort of take a break against non-conference teams and then come back against illinois the first week of january so really the focus now has to be shifting the big 10 ball and and attacking these first two games and really trying to get started in conference on the right foot All right, here's what we're going to talk about this week, the huge upcoming stretch of four games for Indiana. Uh, We'll talk about why Justin Smith hasn't broken out yet, this big breakout season, why hasn't it materialized after seven games. We'll analyze that. 
We'll do an expectation check with November in the books, and then we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk real quick about mattresses, because Assembly Call Radio now has a presenting sponsor that is all about mattresses. They're based in Indianapolis, run by IU grads and fans. Seriously, their CMO, Nathan, is actually a member of our new private IU basketball community. And they have over 65 years of experience in crafting top-quality mattresses. It's Comfort Option, where they give you two incredible options. First, if you live in or around Indianapolis or Bloomington, you can take advantage of their revolutionary mattress store to your door service. Comfort Option will literally bring the mattress store to your home and custom design a mattress for you right there on the spot based on your preferences. It's a truly unique service, like the Zion Williamson of Mattress Services. And if you live outside into your Bloomington, you can still go to ComfortOption.com and order their highly reviewed Alpha mattress, which they produce in-house and ship direct anywhere in the U.S. So basically, you cut out the middleman, save money, and sleep better. Which all sounds great, right? But now get this. Comfort Options parent company, Foamcraft, has season tickets to Pacers games. And the seats are incredible. Floor level, and as Nathan described them to me, quote, you can literally hear the trash talk. Well, they are giving us four tickets to the upcoming Pacers-Hornets game on Sunday, January 20th. To use for a contest. So if you want to see Victor and Cody play, all you have to do is order a mattress from Comfort Option between now and Friday, December 14th, and use the promo code ASSEMBLY when you check out, either online, if you're ordering the Alpha, or in person with the rep who brings the mattress store to your door. Not only will you get $50 off your purchase, but you'll be entered into the drawing for the tickets. On December 15th, we'll pick two winners, each of whom will get two tickets, and then we'll send them to you immediately so you can use them as Christmas gifts. Pretty awesome, right? So again, go to comfortoption.com, order your alpha mattress, or schedule your in-home mattress store service, and then use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $50 off your purchase and be entered into the drawing for the Pacers Hornets tickets. Thank you. All righty. So gentlemen, let's talk about this big stretch of upcoming games. Indiana plays at home Saturday against Northwestern, currently ranked number 47 in Ken Palm. Then they're at number 37, Penn State, home to number 51, Louisville, and then on the neutral court, Against number twenty-five, Butler. Andy, what's I use? What's I use? Cam Palm ranking right now? I haven't. Uh, it was twenty-three earlier today. It actually dropped all the way to twenty-six after the Duke game, and we've steadily risen as other results have come in. Yeah, I hadn't seen this as a Duke game. So let me start this conversation this way: What is what is reasonable to expect for this four-game stretch, Andy? As you look at, it, I mean, obviously four and zero is what we all want. What what do you think is a fair expectation? You know, you'd like to you'd like to be three and oh or three and one. Uh I, I think. Um I don't know. It's hard to hard to say what's reasonable. I think if you ask it, it, how much of that's changed over the past few games is uh maybe as interesting as anything. You know, I, I certainly think this team needs to win the home games. Um so that would give you that would give you two. Um and then and then try to take one of the ones that are away from home. You know, the importance on that Butler game and the Louisville game to a certain extent has really increased given, um, you know, given the, the couple road losses, again, to Duke, not unexpected, but also losing at Arkansas. Butler game becomes pretty important. It'd be a non-conference win away from home. Uh, and Penn State, you know, they played their best game of the season to beat Virginia Tech, but, you know, kind of tried to give that game away uh, toward the end and benefited a lot from having a, a pretty big size advantage on a, a small Virginia Tech team. Um, so, you know, I think three and one feels feels reasonable. I think two and two is maybe a minimum. Um, but I think for people to, you know, be able to kind of start to move past the the Duke game and, and get some of that bad taste out of their mouth, you know, I think three and one would be uh, a, a good place to be. Ryan, we got this question from Walt. 
he asked us, how do you define success over the next four games? Record, statistics, and subjective eye test. Like, wh- how are you going to kind of, because I know you've said you're not really going to judge this team until late December, January, but how will you assess what occurs in these four games? Is it just bottom line, get some wins, or is there other stuff you're going to look for? Well, I think you got to play better. I mean, you just got to show that, they, you know, not show up like UT Arlington and UC Davis where you get a re- lead and relax or fall behind and have to make a great comeback uh, or, or like they did against Arkansas where they were turning the ball over. I mean, you, you, you can't do that and expect to win down the road. So I want to see them play better. Obviously, you want to get the wins. But again, if you lose a couple games early in the season, you can easily bounce back and play great down the stretch and get into the NCAA tournament and get a decent seed. Obviously, you want to beat Northwestern on Saturday. Obviously, you want to win at Penn State and show you know that you've got some medal to win on the road because they haven't done that yet. Uh, but I think that it, it, you want to go three and one. I think Andy's right. You want to go at least three and one, but you want to play better. And you just want to see the team in the eye. I guess it's the eye test and it's subjective to a degree, but you just want to see it look like the team is on the same page moving forward and more so every game. I get it if in one game, you know, if in the Northwestern game, it still looks a little disjointed. The Penn State game, I want to see them look a little more together. Then against Louisville, I want to see progression because those injured guys are coming back. You need to sort of start to develop that chemistry because if you don't, then you're behind the eight ball heading into January uh, because you're not really going to prove anything against you know the non-conference guys you face later in December. So I, I just want to see over this next four-game stretch, you're really breaking it out as a four-game stretch, and I want to see progression for these guys and just see them look like they're on the same page offensively and defensively, which wasn't there the last week or so, the week and a half or so. Well, and I think it's interesting if you look at that Penn State game and and it, this fast forwards a little bit to some of the you know rechecking expectations at this point in the season. But if if your expectation is still that this team can finish you know top four in the Big Ten, you got to try to find a way to to win some road games. And this is one of the handful that feels most winnable. Um, so I think that game becomes really important. One, so these guys can kind of get over the hump on the road. Came really close against Arkansas. That was disappointing. Uh, certainly wasn't the case on on Tuesday. Uh, in terms of being a close game, but it would be a real confidence boost for them. So I think if if nothing else, you'd like to see them start to get back some of the confidence that they showed early in the season when they were just, you know, really strong defensively, blowing people out. Uh, I don't know that any of these games will end up as blowouts, but uh, I think the the order of the games is is pretty good if you think of it that way. You've got a home game to to try to build a little bit back against the Northwestern team who's you know, who's been decent, but not great. Um, jumped out to a big lead against Georgia Tech in the ACC Big Ten Challenge to let them get back and, and have it be a close game toward the end. Then you go on the on the road to, a, you know, a, a game that, again, against what you think is a lower half Big Ten team that if you're really going to challenge anywhere for those top four spots, you, you need to win. Then you've got a Butler team uh, on a neutral court, which should have a decent number of IU fans. And then Louisville, who might be the toughest on you defensively uh, as you go into that game and you look at how they played against Michigan State. So the order of them is not good. It kind of does allow me for some of that progression that Ryan talked about. Anything else on this, Ryan, on the schedule? Yeah, I mean, just uh, let's go out and get some wins. I mean, they, they need to start racking them up and put them on, put yeah. them on the board. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you looked at where you're at right now and, and you said, okay, they're going to lose to Duke badly and they're going to lose by one at Arkansas on the road, before the season, if you looked at it, but they're going to beat Marquette. They're going to blow more Marquette's doors off. And you looked at it right as it is now, and you're like, okay, we're 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 kind of where we need to be. One one point loss at Arkansas isn't a bad one. You knew you were going to lose to Duke. 
but you kind of are where you wanted to be. The problem is over the last, as I said, week and a half, two weeks, how they've looked, it's time to start turning that around. Yep. All righty, coming up on the assembly call, let's talk about Justin Smith, who is everyone's preseason prediction for a breakout player on the IU roster this season. The breakout isn't really happening yet. What's going on? We'll dissect it next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. You are listening to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in one of our unedited live broadcasts Chat mobbers. or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. You'll be privy to all of the between-segment banter that might not make it into the radio show or podcast edit, like when Ryan updates us on his vibrant love life during segments of AC After Dark. Yeah, I was dating a girl who was not happy because she didn't hear from me for like most of days. She was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, nothing. <laughs> That is way too long an audio drop. I'm sorry. Join us, join us live at youtube.com slash assembly call. What makes it too long of an audio drop, but yet it was worthwhile to actually explain on a show? Here's Ryan <laughs> reading his short original poem. Yeah, that was a little. Yeah, that was a little I'm fine. That was a little long. I'll take that. Uh, all right. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So, guys, let's talk about Justin Smith um, because, you know, all off season we got the question – like it seemed like this question came in every week. Like, who do you guys think is going to be the breakout player? And by the end of the offseason, it just became a given that we would say Justin Smith. You know, given what he had done at the end of last season, that was kind of the template for the breakout. You know, over his final six games, 12 points, four rebounds, 21 minutes a game. You know, if you do that over a full season, you know, you've got kind of that, that third wheel now with Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford. So far, it's not happening. Justin's averaging 9.6 points, 3.1 boards, and three turnovers in about the same number of minutes, 21.3. And this, despite playing four teams that are 225th or lower, uh, you know, the efficiency numbers just haven't been that good. So we're going to dissect some reasons for why that might be. The first thing that I want to say to lead off this segment is there have... I've seen some criticisms of Justin that have really, really ticked me off and upset me. Um, you might have seen, uh, you know, on Twitter, I called somebody out and just said it was a totally despicable thing that he said. And I really, I just think that is so uncalled for. And I think people need a reality check that, yeah, look, when a guy is struggling and he's not playing how we want him to, the first thing is probably no one feels worse about it than he does. And the second thing is, if you wouldn't say something to someone's face, or if it's just outright mean, or if it's a personal attack and not you know, a criticism of an action, just don't say it because there's no place for that. That's not being a supportive fan. That's being a jerk. That's being immature. And, and, it, and that doesn't do anything positive for the discourse about Indiana basketball. So I'm really sick and tired of it. And I just want to say that because I've seen it from too many people. you know, And, and I've had people comment to me about it, you know, even seeing it in our chat and on Twitter. So... You know, that that's not the kind of stuff that we do. That's not the kind of stuff that we condone. And I think Indiana fans should be better than that. Um, we should be, you know, supportive of our players, not attacking them personally. So anyway, with that out of the way, and I, I know that you guys agree, so you can feel free to jump in there or, you know, but I, I know you agree with what I'm no, saying. I'm just going to leave you on an island on this one. Keep going. No, <laughs> no, because if I keep going, I'm going to get even angrier and, and that's not going to be good. Um, 
what I would say is I think Justin hasn't played to the standard I think he believes he can reach, and I don't think he's played to the standard that I think Archie Miller has for him or the rest of his teammates. The thing is, is that I think nobody's more aware of that than Justin Smith. And it's, you know, we talked all offseason. You talked about not necessarily about a breakout, but who would be the third option? You know, other than Romeo Langford and Jawan Morgan, I think a lot of people thought Justin Smith. I, I, yeah, I kind of believe that too. Uh, I didn't think it was a done deal because it really depended on what kind of rotations they went with. But it, if you look at him as a starter, then yeah, you've got to think he's the third guy. And he's certainly talented enough to do that. The key for him is to put that into practice. And one of the things he's been doing, and it tells me it's mental, is that he's been turning the ball over a lot. Yeah. And those are things that he shouldn't be doing because he shouldn't be handling the ball enough, quite frankly, to turn the ball over a lot. And I think it's mental. And and you look at there are some statistics I, you know, I've been looking at for this Indiana team, and he's second on the team in turnovers, averaging 2.6 a game. Uh, the only guy with more than them is Devontae Green. He's only played in three games. And a couple of those were up and down games where you're going to get turnovers when you're blowing a team out and, and running up and down the floor. Uh, what I would also say, the other stat that shocked the heck out of me was that Jawan Morgan shoot 45% from the free throw line. And he's happening. To sh- he, he's, it happens that he's shooting 56% from three, but only 45% from the free throw line. Justin Smith is not the only guy who needs to mentally step up his game. And I think that that's evident with Jawan needing to up his free throw percentage. So there's just, there's just a level that Justin Smith needs to get to that he's not at right now. Um, but let's give him a couple weeks to figure this out and figure out his role his role in, on the team and and where he's going to fit in. And he's also playing on the perimeter, I think, more than he probably did last year. And and so that means that he's going to have to sort of change his game a little bit to fit in. So, I you know, people can be harsh. That that's you know seems like anything. Anytime anything goes wrong with the, this fan base, you know, jumps down guys' throats, and that's just something we have to live with being Indiana fans. But I would agree that I think Justin Smith is a guy who, yeah, he needs work, but you know, let's give him the time to actually work on it. We don't have to live with it passively. And I'm, I'm not going no, to you say that kind of crap. I'm going to, I'm going to start calling people out for it. I agree. It's totally I uncalled mean, for. I, I said that when people were going after Tom Crean personally, not just for his coaching ability. I, I agreed. I yeah. think that there's, there's no need for that to, it to get to that direction. Criticize the guys coaching, criticize the guys play, but going after them and and insulting them and things like that, that there's no place for that anywhere in being a sports fan. I, I, I just I don't uh, I don't agree with that. And I don't think any of us do. Andy, your kind of opening thoughts on Justin's struggles. I do think it's just trying to figure out where he fits in with this group. Um, I, I think it's a little bit hard. You know, they've they've really been with all the injuries to really figure out like what his role is, where he's going to get his baskets and things like that. And the only times over the course of the season, and I think you've got some, some numbers that may hit on this later that he's looked comfortable is when he's really been able to get out and transition and do some things there, because it's really not worrying at that point about where to be on the floor and where to be in relation to Juwan and Romeo and, and things like that. And, you know, last year's distribution, you know, once you got past Juwan was kind of flat, you know, there really was, a lot of guys who who have had opportunities this year and now you've got everything very much you know tilted toward Romeo and, and Juwan are going to get the majority of the you know shots opportunities whatever and I think everybody would say rightfully so but I think it's a little bit harder for him to figure out where to pick his spots and where to take shots um, and where he's going to get shots and be able to get baskets in this offense so we talk about you know the transition we talk about you know some of the cutting off the ball 
uh, and things like that. He just doesn't look comfortable in what he's being asked to do. And the way that the lineup has been constructed for the most part is, um, you know, Juwan playing the five and, and Justin playing the four. Just, I mean, I don't know if that's the best place for him or not, but that's just kind of how it's it's typically been as, as he's been in there. And so, you know, maybe there's some discussion to be had with that component of things. But um, yeah, I think it's it's, I think it speaks a little bit to the talent that people see in him, that people have been disappointed. Um, but like so many other guys, they're trying to fit a lot of new pieces together and trying to figure out, I think he's trying to find his way and he just hasn't really found it yet. And, and the other thing I'll say, you know, for some of the you know criticism, you know, some of the, the clips of him, you know, not hustling back hard after the one turnover. I mean, he got yanked out of the game immediately and really didn't play too much after that. So to me, people can get upset about that and rightfully so. And it was disappointing to see that's kind of the coach's job to handle to, to police that kind of thing. And I thought Archie did it well uh, in that scenario, really didn't play him very much. I think he was upset with what he did in the Arkansas game and he didn't play very much either. So at some point it's seeing how he reacts to that, but yeah, it's definitely not on fans or really any of us to kind of, you know, police that effort and, and those kinds of things or, you know, go directly at him with comments on that kind of thing. Ryan, did you want to say something else? You're muted. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't couldn't unmute. Uh, I, I would say also for people, and you think that it's so funny because I hear people say like, "Oh, this doesn't matter. Nobody's paying attention." You, you know, when you go attack players and you attack coaches personally, you know who's watching that? Your potential future coach and your potential future recruits. They don't want to go to a fan base that will attack them on Twitter if they have a bad game. Not to mention parents and family members of the players who definitely Obviously, look at yeah, stuff no, like I mean, that. that you know, We've that, had them on the show before. <laughs> you know? ties in. I mean, people, I always hear people like, oh, you think a recruit's going to decide because somebody attacks them on Twitter? Absolutely. I mean, if there's enough of it, and if, you know, after six months you want to fire a coach and not give him a chance to develop a program, the next coach isn't going to want to come here. He's going to want a, a leash to bring in his own thing. So if you, I mean, attacking people that way is just, it's so counterproductive for getting the program back to where it wants to be and where it needs to be. Indiana fans have a reputation nationally of being ridiculous, of, of, of being, you know, short with a leash, of attacking players, of being too overly involved. And, you know, I love the passion of our fan base. I do. But at the same time, you've got to, dial that back with the negativity a little bit and say, yeah, I don't like the way we're playing or maybe I don't like the way a certain player's playing, but to go after people personally to say, like, pull his scholarship for not running back on defense or whatever. No, teach him how to run back on defense. That's what you should be doing and, and, and you know, work on him and make him a better player. Justin Smith's 19 years old. He's no. going to get better and he's also going to grow up. So um, I, I would just say that fans who are that negative need to check themselves because if you're that negative because you want the program to be better, then flashing that negativity everywhere is not the way to make the program better. All right, so let's dig into a few numbers here real quick just to add kind of some you know some objective analysis to this for where he's kind of struggling and also where he's not getting opportunities that maybe he should be. So we know there was a big emphasis on him getting better around the rim. Archie talked about that. It's not happening so far. Last year, he was 58.7% around the rim. This year, he's about 50%. And we can all run through our minds some, you know, some dunk opportunities that he's missed. He's trying at times to finish with more authority around the rim. It's not happening right now. Andy, as you said, he's been at his best in transition. But those opportunities have really stalled out over the last four games. And that's what we've kind of seen. You know, the struggle has really come to the fore for him. 
He's also very efficient. He was last year. He is this year at turning offensive rebounds into putbacks. However, he hasn't been as active on the offensive glass this year, so he hasn't had as many of those opportunities. And what I found probably the most interesting is that his most successful offensive action last year was to be the screener in pick-and-roll actions. He actually had 22 possessions as a screener in ball screens. He produced 1.36 point per possession on, you know, as rolling, slipping the screen, you know, doing the pick and pop. That was in the 91st percentile. So far this season through seven games, he does not have one opportunity in the pick and roll as the screener. So, you know, I think my hypothesis about Justin, and we've talked about this before, you know, obviously he had lots of expectations, you know, coming in. It's not working yet. I think at times he's really trying, you know, like trying to finish emphatically around the rim. The results haven't been there. You know, he's trying to be effective in the half court, but isn't really finding his rhythm and in some ways isn't getting opportunities that really worked for him last season. And because he is such a cerebral player, which Archie has talked about, he has talked about, sometimes your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. And I think to me, watching him and and kind of matching that with the data and just things that you hear, you know, he's probably overthinking it a little bit, maybe having a bit of a crisis of confidence. And I think we saw this last year as a freshman when he had that stretch starting with the Duke game where he didn't play more than 11 minutes for nine, 10 games, even took a DNP against Notre Dame, but stepped away from things, came back with a fresh mindset, and it really clicked for him after Christmas. And so maybe that's what it will take again this year. You know, maybe he just needs some time to find his comfort zone. He's still just a sophomore. And maybe as fans, we need to be a little bit more patient with a sophomore who has always had clear physical dominance over his peers and is still kind of adjusting to how to play at the college level and, you know, like running back after you make a mistake and and what it's going to take to finish. So it's like in the one and done era, we expect a guy who's a sophomore to be a finished product. And I think as much as he needs to work and get better and all of those things, maybe those of us who are cheering for him, analyzing him need to be a little bit more patient and allow things to kind of take their natural course instead of expecting, demanding and getting impatient when he's not the idealized version of the player that we want right off the bat. I'd I'd like to correct you real quick, Jared. He's not a sophomore. He's a sophomore. It's oh. thank you. If, when you shout out, about shout out to Chuck Crab. Yeah, shout out to Chuck Crab. Basketball, you got to say it's sophomore. Sophomore. Uh, but no, I, what I would say about Justin is that, and 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 I was going to say this, and and Coach put it in the chat is he's a guy who I think needs to focus on defense right now because and build his offense through his defense. Focus in, lock in on defense. Forget the offense because Indiana's got enough guys who can score. You need Justin Smith, but you know, not make it about hitting threes or, or, you know, whatever he's doing in the half court. But what you need to do if you're him is lock down on defense, be that guy because he's athletic enough to be a lockdown guy. Start from that end, get some good feelings going from that end, then work on your offense and, and move it sort of from the defensive side forward. Because I think that he can do that. Just he didn't, I mean, even forgetting the technical side of playing defense he's so athletic he can make up for mistakes uh just with his with the way he plays and with his natural gifts so. he seems to be letting his offense affect his defense a and little i bit. think that's absolutely true 100 percent. and he needs to embrace it the other way around let the play good defense and let that lead to your confidence building offensively andy yeah i think that certainly he seems like a guy and whether this is the the mental component that you talked about where you know the arkansas game i believe he had a number of turnovers I think it was what either UC, UT Arlington or UC Davis was another one. And then this game was the same way. It just seems like things kind of snowball for him and get get away from him quickly. 
And so maybe that's doing that. I think the other thing to point out with him is, is if Archie really wants to play Juwan at the five, coming into the season, you would have, and, and Justin Smith at the four, you probably would have said, there's Justin Smith, there's Jerome Hunter, who might be able to, you might be able to play in that like kind of small ball forward type, type scenario. And maybe there's Race Thompson you can do that with. Well, those guys haven't been available. Uh, really over the entirety of the season for Jerome and and most of the season for race. And so I think when you look at Justin through that lens, if that's the way that Archie wants to play, he becomes that much more important for what IU wants to do because he's a, a pretty unique, you know, size combination with, with everything else that he has in his game. And at, at the very least until race Thompson can really get himself back into action, if they want to continue to play that way with that size lineup and that combination of guys, getting him back on track is really important. And, and I think they've got to figure out how to, how to be able to build his confidence in games without, you know, force feeding him and making it, you know, kind of making it too obvious to your point that you're really trying to, you know, kind of hammer, you know, hammer things into him and, and making it simple for him to, you know, just react and make plays. And, and as you guys said, you know, maybe that's defensively and that helps spur the transition game that he's so, yeah. uh, so effective in. Yeah. Well, look, you know, Indiana's going to need Justin Smith to continue to get better. I think we all need to be patient with him. And, and you know, hopefully it starts on Saturday against Northwestern because we all know there's a there's a terrific player in there. We've seen it. We've seen it in spurts. Now the, the big idea for him, obviously, is to do that more consistently. And hopefully he will as he gets more mature and gets more comfortable with this particular set of players as well. All right, coming up with the November portion of the schedule now in the rear view and 23% of the season in the books, we take a look at our expectations. Has anything changed based on what we've learned this month? Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, especially now that the season has started and we're sending out our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. Joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All right, back to talking basketball. Uh, gentlemen, we'll start the question portion of the show a little bit early because um, we, we got a good one, and I kind of want to talk about this anyway, but this uh, question comes to us from Stacy. She asks, what are the realistic expectations for this team at this point? I'd be happy with just making the big dance at this point, although I don't think that's a given by any means. And, you know, one of the themes that we're seeing in some of the commentary, you know, coming out of this Duke game, I think, is a lot of people you know, seeming to wildly change their opinions. And I actually think some of the things I said on the postgame show got mistaken. Like, I don't, you know, there's some things that I was concerned about and have been concerned about in the last few games, but it hasn't drastically changed what I think that this team is capable of. Um, and so so I want to just kind of take your guys' temperature and see what you think. And, and Andy, we'll start with you. Um, you know, as you look at Indiana now, have your expectations changed and or I guess what were your expectations and have they changed at all based on the first month? I think expectations for me coming in were NCAA tournament top four finish in the big 10. I think the first of those still feels reasonable. Uh, the big 10 has performed really well in the non-conference so far. I, I tweeted out earlier today uh, some numbers about that and that, 
you know, this is a, you know, rising tide lifts all boats type scenario because the Big Ten has played so well. I mean, against, they have the most wins of a major conference team against top 50 Ken Palm teams and the most against top 75 teams. Um, haven't fared particularly well against top 25 teams, but, you know, really outside of the ACC and the Big 12, no one has. So there's a lot of wins in that 26 to 50 range of Ken Palm that, that are really going to help the league as a whole. So that, that helps set the stage for all the teams are going to play over the course of the conference season and basically would suggest that any, you know, almost every game is going to be the chance to get a, a quality win and, and very few losses are going to be viewed as bad losses. Now, obviously volume of losses is one thing if you start to really rack those up. But I, I think what the big 10 has done as a league so far has set, has set the league up really well for, to get a number of teams in. So still feel pretty good about that. I do think you look around the league and at how some of the other teams have played and how IU has played recently, and and you might question a little bit of eh, it's top four. Is that really, is that really there? Could they be fifth or sixth? I think that's certainly possible, um, but I, I don't think all of a sudden you know that the wheels are just going to fall off and this team's going to finish you know, six and twelve in the Big Ten and not make the tournament. Um, but I do think the league as a whole, we talked about how balanced it was going to be in the middle. I think that's still true. Um, but I think the level of those teams is probably a little bit higher than we thought going in, uh, even though it's still going to be crowded uh, in the, you know, kind of two through, you know, eight-ish range, I would say. And Ryan, and Ryan, you've been pretty clear that you're not, again, you know, judging the team until January, which I think we all kind of agreed was a smart thing in the offseason. So I assume so many new pieces, you know, that that have to get worked in. And when you've got a star like Romeo Langford, it takes time for him to adjust to playing with the level of guys that he's playing with now and maybe not taking as many, uh, you know, taking as many one on one opportunities as uh, as he usually does and things like that. So, yeah, I just think it's going to take time for that chemistry to develop because there are I mean, I know there are some guys who returned from last year, but it's a lot of new pieces and new, you know, even Justin Smith, he's. He's not a new guy, but he's the level we're relying on him now is new and it's different and uh, how he fits in with those other guys. But what I would say, as far as expectations go, I still expect this team to be in the fight for the top four in the Big Ten. And I expect Sweet 16 once they settle in now. I don't think that right today, if the tournament started today, I don't think that's my expectation. But it's about once they settle in, once they're healthy and once we see what all these guys can do. I mean, Race Thompson is somebody I expected a lot from this year and he hasn't played because he's got a concussion. Uh, they need to get him up to speed because I think he's an important piece. He makes it easier if Jawan Morgan gets into foul trouble. He makes it easier. You know, because he's a guy who can go down in the middle and and take some punishment because of his size and his length and also do some versatile things like step out on the floor and also play with his back to the basket. I mean, he's a guy who can do a lot of things for you and a guy that I think a lot of people expected a lot of. You look at him as a freshman, but he's been on campus for a year. So he's a different level of freshman than the other guys because he's been in the system. He's been working out and he might physically be ready for the, for college basketball in the way the other guys weren't when they when they started playing. So that's a guy I really expected things from this year and he's been out and hopefully, you know, we get him back soon because concussions are tricky and and you have to take your time. And I fully support them taking their time, getting him back and not rushing him back. Uh, because as we know, with a concussion, you get one. And if you don't, you're not all the way rested. You can get another real quick. And then that's an even longer timeout. So hopefully he gets that, uh, figured out soon and, and can get back in because I think he's an important part of the team, but, I don't think my expectations have changed. I think that this team matches up well with a lot of teams in the Big Ten, just the way they are size-wise, length-wise, versatility-wise. Um, how they play in, in those situations is we we haven't seen because we haven't seen this team be put to the test and, and play like that. 
if they played the way they did against Marquette against a lot of, and I realized that was almost a perfect game, but if they play the way they're capable, that they've showed they're capable of, they can compete with anybody in the big 10. Will they beat anybody in the big 10? I don't or beat everybody in the big 10. I don't know, but they can compete with those, with those teams. And that's what you want as a fan. You just want your team to be in it competing. Cause that means they're going to win more than they lose. And you know, in those tight games and the goal as always in the big 10 has since, you know, for the last two decades has been win all your home games and win half your road games and you'll be in a great spot. Uh, you do more than that. You do a little more than that. Maybe you win the big, you, you win the conference title, you do a little less than that. You might be on the bubble, but that's sort of the goal is win all your home games, you know, win half your road games. And if you lose a home game, you got to make it up with another road win, you know, balance it out that way. So that's what I'm looking for from this team is, is the classic big 10 March to the top four. And, and then, you know, Hopefully you come down the stretch late in the season, you're in the top four and you go on a roll and you, and you win the conference. But uh, certainly I think top four in Sweet 16 is still my still where my aim is. Yeah, my expectation was always kind of like right in the middle between what I thought you know, was like the high ceiling for this team, which is like win the Big Ten, go to a Final Four, and maybe like the floor if, if there was a disaster. So to me, you know, get back to the NCAA tournament be in the running for the Big Ten, you know, in that final week of February into March, you know, top four or five finish. I haven't seen anything yet that takes me off of those. I guess maybe the only thing that's changed a little bit is, you know, there, there are just some kind of specific concerns now that you couldn't really foresee at the beginning of the season. I didn't think we'd be as concerned about turnovers. I thought the free throws would be better. So there's a few of those things now that are concerns that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, but still open-minded to the fact that those things could improve. And also, you know, one more point that I want to make here, you know, and we just saw this in the chat, you know, Jeff said expected more hustle and motivation this year than the last two years, got it at first, but seems to be waning recently. And right. I thought you had a great response. I think that's the result of guys being exhausted. And I mean, it was obvious in the UT Arlington game and the UC Davis game that those guys were dead. They yeah. Were exhausted. So. Well, and I guess, and I guess that's what I want to ask. And, and Andy, I want to get your thoughts on it first. You know, like where is the line between, explanations and excuses, you know, cause we come on here as analysts, you know, we're trying to explain what we're saying and analyze why, and then try to project forward. And there are explanations for why guys maybe can't go a hundred percent at all times when they're playing 38 minutes, 39 minutes, like as fans, we can look at them and, you know, want to see like max effort all the time. That's unrealistic. If you're playing that many minutes, you got to pace yourself a little bit, especially early in the season. So, you know, and I'm just, I'm seeing too much of that where it's like, you know, everybody's making excuses. Well, it's not really an excuse. Like sometimes the context of a season and issues you face have an impact. And so I think it's important as we're watching these games to at least be realistic with what we expect and understand that you have to apply common sense to the context that's actually, you know, dictating what's happening. I, I just say, think it, I'm sorry, Andy, I'm, I, I got to say something real quick. And it, it, like when somebody gives you reasoned analysis, and you call it an excuse, it's because it's what you didn't want to hear. That's right. the only, that's, that's all you calling it an excuse is. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I think it's, the, the hard part is, as you said, you're trying to put this into context. Well, the reality is like, we don't have a lot of context for this team because the amount of time that it's been at full strength to know what the actual potential of the team is, has been about three minutes, I, I it feels like. And so, you know, you don't really have anything to to benchmark it against. You don't have a, like, this team started, we had these eight or nine guys in the rotation. Here's how they've grown or or regressed or whatever you want. Like, that hasn't happened. Um, and that's not, you know, within anyone's 
control really uh, in terms of the injuries, but like that's a reality of what's happened with this team. And so, you know, you, you can certainly argue that the team that, you know, really unraveled quickly and yeah, you'd probably against Duke and yeah, you'd probably like to see a, a different level of, of toughness in that scenario and really be able to stand up to it. I think that's a legitimate criticism of, of things like that. But some of the other games that led into that, when you're playing three to four guys, 35 to 40 minutes, uh, at the pace that IU has been playing this year, which has been a little bit faster, I, I do think that's a lot to ask. And you can't go back and say, oh, hey, when when we were at full strength, this happened. Like, the team hasn't been at full strength. So you don't really, uh, like I said, I just think that we don't, we've yet to really establish the baseline. I think that's why even the expectation question is a little bit hard to answer. You're you're answering it based on some of the same things that you thought before the season because you haven't actually you haven't seen what you expected materialize at all just in terms of personnel. And some of that may may not happen at all during the season. And and you know, with Jerome Hunter, it sounds like that's one where you probably just need to reassess what's there. But with a guy like Race Thompson, there's no reason to believe that he won't be back. And and we talk about, you know, he's a guy that, you know, they've said not afraid to mix it up. He's a guy that might be able to spell Justin Smith at times, might be able to spell Juwan. We have no idea. That might be completely wrong, but we haven't seen enough to know that that's wrong. Yeah. Uh, so it, it all makes it kind of difficult. And so whether you want to call it an explanation or excuse, like I don't really even know what the answer is to that because we're trying to explain something using a reason that we might not have actually seen, um, but still what we believe. And I think that's where the injuries have kind of made it hard for everybody to really, you know, wrap your mind around around things. Versus, I think last year that was a little bit different. Yeah, there were a lot of unknowns, but. It, it kind of became clear pretty early like yeah this is not gonna <laughs> this is not gonna come together as quickly because you had enough data to use to, to figure that out early on and I just think this year if you look back the number of minutes this team's played whenever it was really available it's such a small number that it becomes really difficult to, to gauge yep I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Thank you, Coach. All right, coming up in our final segment, we are going to answer more of your questions, including our predictions for what Archie's first signature win as IU's coach will be uh, and if it will come this season and however many others we can get to. That's next. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call, we are wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we've got a short final segment, so let's get right to it. This is where we answer your questions. The first one comes to us from Mark. Mark says, IU got close last year but couldn't get a marquee win, says not sure I count Notre Dame. Will IU and Archie get a signature win this season against a top 10 team or the eventual winner of the conference? So Mark kind of defined for us there what you know what a marquee win will be. Andy, what do you think? When Indiana get because I guess you look at opportunities against top ten teams right now. Indiana only projects to get two of those, which is the home and away games against Michigan, um, and they look like the odds-on favorite to be the eventual winner of the conference. So maybe we start there. Do we think Indiana beats Michigan at home or away this year? <laughs> After watching what they did to North Carolina last night, I'm not sure this is the great timing to answer that question. <laughs> let's wait a couple. Let's wait a couple weeks on that one. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe let the memory of that uh, fog fog into our minds a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the Michigan game at home late January is a potential for that. I think the road game for Purdue a couple weeks before um, 
you know, I don't necessarily see any of the other non-conference games really falling into that. Louisville and Butler, to me, would both be kind of Notre Dame-ish uh, from last year, which he had disqualified. So I'll uh, I'll go with that. So, you know, maybe if you think road wins, you know, kind of at Purdue from a rivalry standpoint would be a big one. Certainly Michigan at home, maybe Michigan State at home uh, when we're there. I think in any event, you know, his first win over Purdue is going to be special. I don't know that I would necessarily yeah. call it a, a signature win. So uh, I guess I would say the Michigan or Michigan State home games seem to be, you know, maybe the most likely to fall in that category. Although I hope he doesn't wait until the Michigan State game, even though we would be there and that would be fantastic. Uh, I hope, you know, we were able to have some conversations over the course of the season that, you know, maybe circle back to this question and ask like, Hey, was this win that happened over the course of this week? Does it fall into this category? Yeah. I, I would say, I think that the the first big opportunity we're going to get is at home against Michigan on January 25th. I think that's the, that's sort of the one we've all got to kind of circle on the calendar. I think the road at Michigan, it's tough to win there. Uh, Tom Crean had a couple teams go in and win there. Uh, it's possible. It's not the Cole center for indiana it's not that house of horrors but at the same time home at michigan i mean that's just not a game you mark at the beginning of the year regardless of how good you are is like okay yeah they're gonna win that one that's that's gonna be a struggle um and i and plus i feel like signature wins have to come at home for some reason i feel like you need the crowd there and you need the atmosphere not always but i feel like it's almost better if they come at home so everybody's there everybody's watching it you get the atmosphere you get the crowd and and you take advantage of that and yeah but at some point in your program you got to prove you can win on the road i mean it took tom crean a long time to win on the road and that was that was big when he did when you point back at big wins it's typically big home wins i'm not saying that you can't you don't need to win on the road that's great you need to beat big programs on the road but i'm saying like when you look back at the moments where it's like okay that's where things turned around or that's where things took a jump forward it tends to be a home game I say I don't know about that because, like in 2012, we talk about the NC State game, you know, and that was kind of a signature win. We talk that about wasn't Indi- a signature win. Come on, I mean, I, I, but that's a, that, I that is a meaningful win that yeah, showed an important step in the program. So uh, maybe we have different definitions for what we're the talking signature about. Signature win was Kentucky at home, though. Okay, like, that that was okay, but a signature win is beating Michigan State at Michigan State, which we hadn't done since '93 when Victor Oladipo made all those plays late. So what I'm saying is, I think you can have signature wins on sure. the road as much as you I, can. I'm not at home. denying that. But I'm saying that it tends to like the ones you will look for uh, t- to me tend to be those big assembly call or assembly hall crowds, you know, that, that blow up and, and you win, you know, you win a home game. I, to me, that's what that's where the turning point games are. They come at home. Typically, I, I think the first ones, as you look back, probably come at home because it's yeah. you know, potentially easier to get them there. But I do think when I look back at least over the time that we've been doing the show, you know, the memorable ones, the win at Michigan where they won the big 10 title, the uh, Iowa, Iowa, because you know, that is how you're a champion. Uh, Thank you. you. I didn't even uh, have to go to the drop, Andy. I appreciate that. I'm just doing your work for you. It's fine. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. And potentially even this year, maybe actually beating Wisconsin. So to prove to anyone, you know, under the age of 10, that it can actually be done would be a, well, we're not playing at Wisconsin this year. So we, well, I know, but that's, that would fall into Ryan's home territory. So (laughs) that's true. No, I'm not saying those big wins can't come on the road. I'm just saying that they tend to like when that's you exactly what you said. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> they do. And I think but Andy, Andy brought it together as he usually does. They usually yeah, come early at home. Complete, but complete. then the next step in your progression as a program is you got to prove that you can win on the road. Completely you know, true. and and, you know, right now, I guess you would say, you know, the Notre Dame and the Marquette games are the biggest wins for Archie. And those, you know, you look at stepping stones. Those are both nice wins. You know, now we need to see uh, what comes next. Okay, real quick. Uh, this is from Joel. Ryan, when was the last time you saw an IU team have fun on the court? 
I've watched dozens of other games this year. Other teams seem to have fun on the court, whereas this team seems to be forgetting this is a game. I would say the first five minutes of Marquette, they look like they were having a hell of a lot of fun. I thought, I thought the whole game against Marquette, they were having fun. Uh, yeah, and and you look at the games. I thought they were having fun against Montana State, Chicago State for the most part. Uh, yeah, but they've had a struggle since because guys have been hurt. So yeah. I, I think I think this team can have fun, and they look like they're having fun yep. when they're playing right. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat mobbers, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk with you again on Saturday after IU Northwestern. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Cascade Platinum every night Saves you water every night Come meet me at the dishwasher, babe See, hand-washing dishes in your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. Naughty, naughty but with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. Sell the flow of that H2O and change your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.